Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Adam McRoberts, and this is the Do Big Things Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing, where we want you to do big things. We offer support for your ultra marathon in the way of crewing or pacing. We also offer personalized coaching and comprehensive training plans. We can help you get to the start of your big things, or we can help you get to the finish. So basically, we can coach you up, or we can crew you in. Whatever your big things are, we want to help. Hey, have you guys heard of rhodiola? People in Russia and Scandinavian countries have used it to treat anxiety, fatigue, and depression for centuries. Rhodiola is an herb that grows in the cold, mountainous regions of Europe and Asia. I've been using it for the last few weeks, and I feel great. I take these little ultra-focus and energy-packed vitamins, and it gives me more energy and stamina to do my thing. I have a lot going on, as I'm sure you guys do as well, and I don't always feel like getting that run in after my work for the day is done. So I've been taking this little pack of vitamins at around 2 in the afternoon, and now I always have enough energy to get my workout, my run, plus everything else I need to do for the day done. Here are seven science-based health benefits of rhodiola. It can decrease stress, can fight fatigue, it can reduce symptoms of depression, it improves brain function, it improves exercise performance, it helps to control diabetes, and it also has anti-cancer properties. If you guys need anything in the way of supplements, send me an email. I can get you set straight. I take pretty much everything, but rhodiola is the newest one in my regiment, and it's been blowing my mind. Hit me up at big-things-crewing.com. My guest today just broke the supported FKT on the Collegiate Peaks Loop. For the uninitiated, that is a 160-plus mile loop around the Collegiate Peaks in Colorado, with 33,000 vertical feet of gain and descent along the way. She's only 22 years old, but she's already finding her way in the world of ultramarathons and FKTs. I really had a blast chatting with her, and like me, she's originally from Wisconsin, so that was just bonus points as far as I'm concerned. I can't wait to share with you her story, so put your hands together for Annie Hughes. She is coming up right after this. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure, you got this, Adidas. Hey, Annie. Hi, Adam. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing good. Good. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear all about your big journey. Have you had time to recover? I have, yeah. It's actually been a really nice and fast recovery. Yeah, I've been grateful. Good, it's good to hear yeah. Did you do this last weekend? 
I did. Yeah, this past weekend. Okay. Okay. Yeah, awesome. so I started on Friday, September eighteenth, um, at four thirty a.m. and then I finished around six p.m. on Sunday. Okay, so like just over sixty hours, sixty-one hours and some change, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So. Yes, I'm super pumped to, to talk about this. Uh, I'm super excited to have you on as a guest. But if you wouldn't mind, just like, please explain to people who are unfamiliar, what is the Collegiate Peaks Loop? Yeah, so uh, if you do the entire Colorado Trail from Denver to Durango, um, it's 500 miles. And it there's a sec part where it splits um, when you get to Twin Lakes or when you get to like near Monarch Pass and you can either go to the west side or the east side of um, the Swatch Mountains. Um, Mm -hmm. And the original Colorado Trail stayed on the east side and then the Continental Divide Trail um, is the one that goes to the west. And so they ended up making that into the Colorado Trail as well, that west side. so that um, you could have an option if you'd like to go on the east or west side. And so then it became a um, thing to make it into a loop. So you could do, you know, both and okay. uh, yeah, from is, the loop. <laughs> is that why it was made? Was it just like another option for people who were through hiking the Colorado Trail? Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. And um, when did you first hear about this as being a loop to do in one big adventure? Oh, um, well, I, I'd always heard of it just because I lived in Buena Vista, um, Colorado. I went to high school there and my parents live right at the base of Mount Princeton, just a 14er. I'm Perfect. like right um, along the trail. Yeah. And so, um, my parents had talked about how they wanted to backpack it and um, I just, it sounded really cool. Um, but I never really thought about, yeah, doing it in one push. And then I, all of my races this summer got canceled and um, I was kind of trying to think of, you know, something else I could do. And I was thinking about Nolan's 14. Um, and then that just seemed like a little, um, a little much for me, I think, just yeah. from a planning standpoint. Uh, I don't really like going off trail and like, I don't know. I just feel like I need a bit more experience before I try something like that. And so I thought, well, I could just run around Nolan's, <laughs> um, and I'll be I'll be on trail and um, yeah, my and it's pretty easy to um, meet people throughout the course um there's just a lot of information on the trail and just really well marked because the Colorado Trail is very well established um so yeah and then I thought it would be kind of cool FKT and then I also knew someone who was going to do the unsupported um going for the unsupported FKT and she ended up getting it Annie, are you there? I think I may have lost you. Annie, can you hear me? Okay. 
Okay, I think I lost you there for a minute. No, that's okay. It oh, I'm so out. sorry. Did it? No, no, no. It's okay. Oh, I'm so sorry. So just back up if you don't mind, like thirty oh, okay. seconds. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. So I was. I looked up the FJT for the loop, and um, I had a friend who was going to go for the unsupported FJT, and she ended up getting it. Uh, earlier this month she started on I think she got it on September 1st um and so uh yeah it's inspired me to go for this remind me who that was oh yes okay oh that's Olga King yeah yeah and she's just incredible like she helped me with some of the planning and um just she's really very she's a badass for sure she's been around for a Um, while the big influence. Yeah, she has. So you grew up down yeah. in, uh, and, and I'm sorry, you you called it Una Vista, right? Okay, I yeah, always get I that mixed up. Um, I always call it Buena Vista, probably like most of the most of the tourists. But so you actually grew up there? Oh, oh no, no, so no, I actually great. grew up in Wisconsin. Uh, and then uh, I'm from Wisconsin too. Yeah. Where'd you grow Pardon? up? Yeah. Oh, no really? way. Me too. Uh, Southern Wisconsin. So I was yes. right in between. Really? <laughs> I. Oh uh, uh, yes. Okay. I've been through there. I was through there on my bike a couple times. I grew up in Janesville. Yep. Oh really? Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. Small yeah, world. Exactly. Really cool. Okay. <laughs> So yeah. your family moved out to Colorado at some point? Um, yes. My parents wanted to retire in Buena Vista. Um, mm-hmm. And then I knew I wanted to go to college out here. And so I asked them if we could move for my senior year so that I could have established residency and then mm-hmm. um, have in-state tuition. Uh, so it worked out that we were able to move for my senior year um to Pina Vista so yeah I've lived there okay. I lived there for a year and you live in Leadville now there. right oh wow okay so you're I just do. living yep. the ultra runner dream right there you're living in the, the, the prime spot and that's it right there I am. <laughs> it really is yeah <laughs> it's been so awesome I originally went to Adams State University in Alamosa for two years and I ran cross country and track there um, and then I actually, uh, quit the team to pursue ultra running and trail running and moved up to Leadville and I'm, uh, finishing oh, yeah. my degree okay. at Colorado mountain college there. So, um, yeah, so it's been, it's been cool to live up in Leadville and yeah, I feel like I've, it's helped me really able to take off with. I bet. So have you always been a runner? <laughs> I have, yeah. It's the okay. only sport I've ever done. Um, yeah, and I was just never athletic um, in terms mm-hmm. of any any sport that involves a ball. Um, so I just thought that I wasn't good at anything. And then um, in gym class, we had to run the mile uh, fitness test, and um, nice. I ended up beating all the boys. And so that was kind of the first time yeah. I was like, oh, wow, I'm actually good at something athletic. And then my dad had me sign up for track, and yeah, then I've just been okay, doing it ever okay. since. And that was Are your parents grade, runners? So. Or athletic? 
Um, my, my mom is like very active and she's always been like very adamant about getting outside and, um, getting fresh air every day and all that. But, um, yeah, she's not like a, a hardcore athlete or anything. She just likes to do it to enjoy being outside and, um, yeah, staying active and healthy. And, uh, my dad was a really good cyclist. He's okay. really into like road biking for a while. So, um, yeah, but he was never okay, so a runner. Yeah, no one in my family is a runner, actually. <laughs> good for you. Yeah. Where did the inspiration come from to take this from, you know, cross country into ultra running? Yeah, I, I always knew I wanted to be an ultra runner. Like I just always, I just always felt like I could run forever. I just loved, um, like the long runs and that was always my favorite, um, yeah, my favorite uh, workout, you know, cross country and track. Um, and I was always really interested in the mountains. And then I think moving to Colorado um, kind of introduced me to like this whole new world of and like ultra running because it's oh, no, um, no. you just don't hear about it as much in Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, so it was cool to be like in this new culture and like the just the appeal of ultra running is just so much greater because you're in the mountains and like you want to explore these beautiful places so um yeah I think and then um I was just getting really burned out of running cross country and, and track and uh I just felt like I needed a change because I was starting to not yeah really love running anymore um and I kind of thought that I would like never race again and a couple of friends recommended this one race in Moab um and I wasn't too sure about it. I just thought I once like with the team, I was just going to run trails and mountains and like not compete or anything. And, um, I ended up really enjoying the race. So I signed up for a 50 miler mm. and then it just kind of snowballed up to, um, hundred miles. It goes, right? nervous, so <laughs> 160 miles. So did you have the opportunity mm-hmm. to run any races in Wisconsin or did, did you do the race when you moved to Colorado? Oh, I didn't start, um, yeah, doing any ultra okay. uh, races okay. until I gotcha. moved out to Colorado. So, yeah, I just did, yeah, I just did cross country and track. And I know and some people it. start um, young, so I had to ask. I mean, you so, hear of like 15, 16 year old ultra runners out there, <laughs> you know, doing these big races at a, at a young age. And how old are you again? Like 22 years old? Yeah, that's so cool. Okay. So you're still yeah, young and you still yeah. are. You have a long ways to go. You have, uh, you know, a lot of people so that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. So yeah, was excited. Red Hot your first uh, ultra? It was, yeah. Um, yeah, a couple of my friends told me that race was really fun and that they were going to do it. And so I was like, okay, you know, all my friends are doing it and, you know, I'll just have fun. Like, I, I really want to go to Moab. I've never been, so I thought that would be a good excuse to go. Um, and then neither of my friends <laughs> ended up doing it, so I just went there by myself and did this race and uh, ended up just having, like, the best time. Uh, it was just met so many cool people, and it wasn't the intense atmosphere that you have in cross-country and track. I really liked that. And then you get to explore a new place and... Um, 
I loved like just running that longer distance it was really fun new challenge so um yeah I wanted to see if I could go a bit further so then I started doing yeah, yeah 50 miles. so I want to go back just go back going back just a yeah. minute to um your your um cross country and track days you said that you felt burnt out like what did that burnout come from was it was it overtraining? was it you know i know a lot of young women um get stressed out because they're focusing on their diets um where did that burnout come from i think it came from uh well i kind of discovered the mountains um so my freshman year of college, I was very, very, like, um, very into running and um, almost in kind of an obsessive way and uh, just took it really, really seriously. Um, and then I kind of discovered the mountains that next summer. I was like, wow, this is really cool. And then I started doing some 14ers and I was like, I really want to do all the 14ers. Um, and so I was just really enjoying, like, my training that summer. Um, of getting, you know, getting my workouts in, but also getting to um, enjoy the mountains. And uh, then when I had to go back, when cross-country practice started again, I was just realizing how um, okay. tied down I was to that. Like, we just, like, our coach didn't even like us to leave Alamosa. Like, we had to stay there, and we had mm -hmm. to run twice a day, every day. And um, it was just so repetitive and um I was just like, there's so much, there's so many other cool things I could be doing, like, and seeing them just doing gotcha. this every day, you know, it just wasn't fun to me anymore. And so, um, yeah, I was just getting really burned out and I started to like dread going to practice. And, um, when we had our NCAA day, I would like kind of sneak up to the mountains or not like supposed to. And, um, it just got to the point where it just like, wasn't fair, you know, to my coach and it wasn't fair to me that I was, you know, not, not fully in it. So I decided mm -hmm. to. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, once you caught the mountain bugs, um, there was just no turning back. Cross country was just getting in the way of, of your real passion. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, okay. exactly. And so going back to the Collegiate Peaks loop, which direction did you go? You did the west side first. Oh, okay, I did the so west side Okay, so that's the more first. difficult side, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I was also unfamiliar with that side. Um, I've done a lot of the Colorado Trail just, you know, from living in Buena Vista and like Leadville, okay. just, I'm very familiar with that east side. Um, but the west, yeah, I, I had not explored that before. So I wanted to do that first. Mm -hmm. um, and were, were you going north to south to begin with? Um, yes, I was. Twin yeah, Lakes. I started okay, got and it. ended cool. in Twin Lakes. Very cool. Um, yeah. Wow, it just sounds like a cool adventure. Like, what were some of the highs and some of the lows out there? Um, I'm sure you had plenty of both. Um, tell me about some of the good experiences, some of your favorite moments, yeah. and then some of your lowest and worst moments. Yeah, I think that's one of the really um, like cool things about ultra running is you can go uh, especially in hundred and hundred plus mile, um, distances, you can go from feeling <laughs> just terrible. It's just the worst to also yes. <laughs> to feeling, you know, pretty good again. And that just doesn't happen in cross country, like the shorter distances. Like as soon as you feel bad, like it's just <laughs> over, like you're going to feel bad for the rest of the <laughs> um, race. And like, 
when you feel bad in an ultra that long, like you can actually come, come out of it, um, and feel like fresh again, which is crazy. But, um, I remember at mile fifth, like around like mile 40 to mile around mile 60. Um, I think that was probably like one of the lowest points of the entire, um, experience. Uh, it was, from Cottonwood Pass to Hancock Pass, and uh, that is the highest okay. section of the whole course. Um, so you're all above tree line. Um, it's all like up in the mountains. Um, it's very rocky, like terrain, very steep and snowy, uh, and then mm. really cold and windy and dark. <laughs> um, and so, and then I just I felt so sleepy. I don't know. I just like couldn't shake the sleepiness, and I was kind of falling asleep while I was running and I had poles and I was like catching myself on the poles, just like nodding off and like tripping over the rocks. And, um, I was having to, I had a pacer with me and I, it would just be every 10 minutes. I'd be like, okay, I need to take another like one to two minute nap. Like, can you please time me? And I just drop right where I was on the rocks or snow and I would fall like asleep instantly. And I'd be dreaming and he'd like, wake me up. Like, okay, Annie, like it's been a minute. Like, and I was just like, okay. And uh, I just, I felt so miserable. And I was just, um, the smoke had really gotten to me earlier in the day. And so I was kind of having trouble breathing earlier in the day and kind of coughing. And then that went away a little bit, but I just, my body just felt really fatigued for some reason. And um, so, yeah, I just, I felt like really fatigued. And, um, and then I was sleepy and it was just freezing cold and I wasn't getting enough like water food in because I just, it was so cold. I didn't like want to. And, um, and then it was only 50 miles in and I was just like, mm-hmm. I feel this terrible now and only 50 miles in. And I, I have to, I have a whole nother night ahead of me. Like, how am I supposed to, I can really get through this yeah. first night. How am I supposed to get through a whole nother night? Um, and it just seemed so impossible. Um, and so I kind of told myself, okay, I'm just going to quit at this next, like once I get to Hancock and my parents are going to be there. Um, to crew for me I was like I'm just gonna get in the car and like because this is just not gonna happen (laughs) um and uh as we were coming into that like aid station my um I had a couple of friends who were pacing me for that next section and they had like come three miles up the hill (laughs) and they had like coffee for me and like a puffy and they were all like pumped and they're like, Annie, we came up. Like, you're worried you might take a wrong turn. Because oh, wow. we were, like, four hours late. Like, I was so slow. I was just taking forever. And, um, and uh, like, we know, like, you aren't feeling, like, the greatest. But, like, we're going to get you back. And they were just so pumped. And I was right. like, well, you, like, can't quit here. Like, you're so excited. Like, I can't let that down. <laughs> um, and I was like, I'll just go to, the, like, Monarch Pass. And if I still feel like this, like, I'll just call it there. And then, um. Yeah, so I got them, and they just asked me, like, some really good questions um, that just things that I needed to hear, like, why are you doing this? And just kind of, like, um, reinstilling, like, that, like, inspiration and um, Mm -hmm. purpose for doing this. Um, And that was, like, exactly what I needed to think about because all I was thinking about was just how I felt and, like, how it was just too hard and, like, so uncomfortable and, um yeah and so like and the whole reason I was doing it was to like overcome all those things and so like I couldn't quit you know (laughs) um and yeah and then they had me like timing on the timer okay it's been five minutes Annie like time to drink time to eat and like they just 
I just felt so much better after um, that next section with them. And I got to Monarch Pass at mile 80, which is about halfway. And um, I was feeling like good again. And um, all of a sudden I just started running really well. And after that, that was kind of like the high, like the next two sections, um, the next section was by myself. And I was like early to the next aid station was feeling really good and my legs almost started feeling fresh again and then and like all my food was going down really well um and then I told my parents at that aid station I was like um just plan on being early to the next one because I think I'm going to crush this next section um and my coach uh he was there to pace me for the next section and uh by this time it was like late afternoon like almost evening and um he he said he had to stop at one point. He's like, I'm just going to text your parents because um, I think we're going to be like a bit early to the aid station. I was like, oh, really? Okay, that's good. And then he said, then he stopped again, like a little bit later. And I was like, okay, and you text him again. Like, you're actually going really fast. And I was like, how fast am I going? And he said, wow. oh, this last mile was like 830. <laughs> um, I was like, what? Nice. And I was at like over 100 miles by this point. And I was like, yeah. how do I feel this good at 100 miles? Mm-hmm. I feel terrible at mile 50. So just cool, like how you can really come out of that. Um, and yeah, so I made up two hours on that section. There's 20 miles um, to the next aid station. And um, yeah, that just helped me so much, like get ahead of the game. So I took a wrong turn mm-hmm. on the first day that cost me like an hour. Um, and then I just was really slow on that one section. So I really needed to make up some time. So it was, I'm glad that I was feeling good and then that it was like, I was feeling good on a really runnable section yeah, to be able to make up that You were on the Colorado Trail at that point, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, and it was um, just a pretty mellow section, like a lot of like downhill and like nice buttery trail, like yeah. not so super rocky or anything. So I could, wow, that's uh, so cool. Pretty fast. Um, so there's a lot to unpack there because. Um, I mean, that's, that's the cool story right there. You're feeling really low in the beginning. You're thinking about quitting. Your friends talked to you to keep, on, keep it going, and then you felt really good at the end. So, gosh, yeah, I love – I mean, that's a lot of notes, too. It looks like you've done 100 miles before this. Was that your experience uh, at Bryce Canyon? Did you feel low early in the race and then come back towards the end of the race? Yes. Oh, in my hundred miler. Oh, um, I would say that I felt really good in the okay. beginning, okay. and I felt terrible at the end. Um, yeah, I had some stomach issues. I um ate some mashed potatoes that were in my drop bag, and they went bad. And then my stomach was already on edge, but like after that, it was just over. Oh, okay. Like I didn't stop throwing okay. up for like I've the whole rest of the too. race. And, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know that's why i was so worried for this one i was just like oh um because i was talking to a lady who was helping me plan this run and she does like multiple like 200 mile races and she's running the moab 240 this year um but she said that the three biggest things like are the three main reasons people drop out of 100 milers and 100 plus milers is because like, their mental game um their feet and mm-hmm. um, their gut and like GI system, and so I was like, really tried to like make a good plan for like my like my foot care and um, 
yeah, just helping, like just planning out my for sure. meals yeah, so that my stomach sure. wouldn't fall off. <laughs> okay, so I'm doing a bad job of keeping this all in order. So I'm kind of going all over the place. What was your training like uh, for this FKT? And were you planning an FKT all along? Or were you just going out for a big adventure and we'll see what happens? Yeah. Um, right. I mean, I'd only done one hundred miler before this, and so I was kind of like, um, I, I think I'm, I'm just gonna look at it as a big adventure, and if I get the FKT, great. Like, um, but I kind of told myself I'm not even gonna think about it until I'm like okay. halfway or like, in, like towards the end. Um, I was like, maybe that'll give me like the perfect carrot to dangle, you know, mm-hmm. at the end when I just am struggling and like, that'll give me a reason to kind of push harder. And so, um, yeah, I prepared for it. Like I was going for the FKT, but in my head, I didn't think about it like that um, until like halfway. And I was like, okay, I actually am on track to get this FKT. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to like really push and for this. <laughs> what was your training like for this? Did you do anything different? Or is your training just get out in the mountains and move every day? Yeah, so um, originally it was like that. It was more like very unstructured, just kind of going off of how I feel and like um, exploring the mountains. And then I uh, I really, I, I was uh, signed up for the Leadville 100 and I just wanted a little bit more direction with my training. Um, Cause I just wanted to see how fast I could do that race. And so I, um, hired a, a coach and he's just been so awesome. He is the one who paced me, um, for this run. And, um, yeah, he's just helped bring a little more like focus to my training and, um, we incorporated some like tempo work once a week, yeah, right. which I probably wouldn't do on my own. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I love, like, just doing long, slow stuff. And so, yeah, he's kind of helped me see that, you know, it's important to do it's a little bit of speed work. So I was doing a um, little bit of tempo work once a week. And then um, I would have two days in a row that would be long days. So, like, one five- to six-hour run in the mountains. And then um, one, uh, like, three- or four-hour uh, run following that um and so I'd have like two hard back-to-back days and then day off and then I'd have two more um harder back-to-back days but um they wouldn't be quite as long as the first two and then um yeah I did one really big 60 mile run um Mm -hmm. like a month before this and that was kind of my test to see okay, if I can do this 60 miles and feel good after and go right back into training, like that's a good sign um, to see if like, yeah, I see if 160 will feel good. And I, I recovered like right away from that 60 mile or like it didn't feel hard. So it's like, okay, I think I can, wow. I think I might that's be able awesome. to pull this off. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> so um, what was your biggest week um, in terms of mileage leading up to this? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think, um, I'm trying to think, uh, I think it might've been like a hundred. Okay. That's a lot. Maybe like a hundred miles yeah. a week. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was doing like 90 to a hundred miles a week 
for the whole summer. Um, and then, then I take two days off per week. So it's, um, and then I don't double okay. or anything. Okay. So it's just Got a lot you. all at once. Yeah. But I have like plenty of recovery time. So Um, I'll say it again. I'm doing a bad job. I'm just jumping all over the place, but questions just keep popping into my head. So you're 40 or 50 miles into your (laughs) FKT. You said you were at a really low point and your friends uh, cheered you up, encouraged you and kept you going. Did they say anything specific or or magical that that changed your mind around? What, What took place there? Yeah, they definitely did. Um, they, uh, first of all, like just their enthusiasm. It was like so cool to be around people who were just like yeah. so energetic because I was just not. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, they were just like so excited for me. And I think that's just contagious. Um, and uh, then they, um, I, I told them like right when we started, I was like, I'm going to need to take like a nap soon. Like, like maybe even five minutes. I just felt so exhausted. And uh, they said, okay, well, like before you take your nap, um, we want to ask you a question. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, they said, and we want you to answer it like really like deep. Like we want all your thoughts, like really deep, deeply answer this question. And um, they asked me why, like what my reason for doing this was like, why the collegiate loop? Like why 160 miles? Um like, why do you want to do this? Um, and I think just like going over that answer and like really thinking about it, um, just like change my whole attitude what around. What was the answer to that? Um, like I wanted to do it. I just wanted to do it to, to test my limits and to, um, I always just always think of, um, you know, when you're in those really hard moments, um, I like to think about defining myself. And so like, am I the type of person that gives into, um, just the fatigue and like the pain and, um, all that, or am I the person type of person that, um, keeps going despite of that? Um, and I was like, I want to define myself as a person that will like overcome that. Um, and, uh, I think that just translate into, and translates into all aspects of life. Um, and so I'm doing this to like better myself as a person and doing this to like, um, you know, get to know myself better. And like, uh, because when you're just in those really vulnerable situations, like not many people like are willing to put themselves in those situations. Um, and so when you are willing to do that and you're willing to push through that, you can grow a lot and you can learn a lot about yourself. And I think that's one of the things that's really, um, inspiring to me about it. Uh, so yeah, just kind of going over my reasons. And, and then I also like brought up like all the people who are involved. Like, I think that's one of the cool things. Like, I think it's really cool to go unsupported and that's like an amazing adventure, but I think there's something to be said about going supported too, and just sharing the experience with, um, like I had all these people involved and like, you know, my friends who were pacing me right then and come all the way from Durango Mm -hmm. and like, I just didn't want to let them down, you know, like they're all doing this for me. It just shows like how much they all care about me. And, um, it's just almost like show my gratitude, like to push through those tough moments, like my gratitude for them helping me with this. So, um, yeah. Uh, and just like reaffirming all my reasons for doing it in the first place, um, helped me like just feel more energized. And I didn't even end up taking that nap that I was talking about like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> so you came into that aid station and 
Um, did you sit down and then your, your crew just kind of helped you reload your pack and you ate and then you just got up and took off again? Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. And then uh, it was kind of an ordeal because I had these special lights because um, sometimes I'm kind of bad with hallucinations. Mm. Um, and I had these special lights. They're called uh, Kogala oh, yeah. lights. Um, and it just helps you see so much better and it kind of helps you because I think it's a light thing that helps you, like, makes you kind of see weird stuff. Um, and so uh, I got those so that I would kind of stay more with it. And um, <laughs> it's just so much brighter. But uh, it just makes a huge difference. But, um, yeah, I, uh, they, have, they have, like, a special charger. And they won't work unless they are plugged into this charger. And so I had to figure out, okay, I need to drop the charger off with this person and then they'll charge it for me and drop it off with my other crew car and then they'll bring it to me at this spot because I'll need it for the next section because it'll be starting to get dark and so I'm just like um thinking about like the chargers and like when I'm gonna need my lights and like what the batteries and um that was kind of an ordeal <laughs> mm-hmm. um so yeah just keeping everything charged that's one of the things I do when I get into the station and then like layers is like am I need more layers to the section like will it be warmer and then, um, yeah, depending on how long it was, like how much food I would take and, um, yeah, I would, and then I'd usually eat like a pretty big meal at each aid station. And then I just kind of supplement with like snacks, um, mm-hmm. during, so, um, yeah, it was more snack food during the run. And then when I get to the aid station, I would eat like more like real food. So, yep. okay. Any stomach problems out there? No, I was shocked. Like I had no stomach problems I had no like foot problems I took really good care of my feet um so you're changing your socks regularly um no I actually uh I changed my socks and shoes once I think it was like mile 120 um my parents uh got an Epsom salt like foot bath Mm. for me ready and so I um got I got to the aid station and got like a hot car um with the heater going and then I put my feet in the Epsom salt um for like 10 minutes and then um dried them off and then um I put all that like anti-chafe stuff all over them um and and then um I really like toe socks like they really help prevent Mm -hmm. blisters so I um yeah put the toe socks on and then new shoes uh I changed my shoes there and then uh I put um like little gaiters over the top and that just helps um from being like rocks and like dust in there yeah Mm -hmm. Cause that can kind of add up and cause problems. So, for sure. um, yeah, yeah, so I felt like I did a good job, like taking care of my feet and then my stomach was good. I was like pretty good about nutrition, except for that one section where it was like cold and dark and I didn't want to eat. <laughs> um, yeah. but other than that, I was like really good about eating. And I think that helped me too, like, especially towards the end. Cause if you get behind on that, like there's just no way you can catch up. So um, yeah, no, it's such a, it's such a big uh, part of these big adventures. You have to stay on that nutrition. Otherwise everything can fall apart. So, um, and a lot of people have problems up at altitude, you know, with, with keeping food down and myself included, like, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm unfortunately kind of a puker. So it, oh, and, really? uh, yeah. And if I'm pushing really hard and up at altitude for a long amount of time, I have a hard time keeping food down. So were you doing um, like powder, like tailwind or anything like that? Or were you sticking just to straight food? Oh, yeah. I, I love tailwind. That's like, I love drinking my calories. It's just easier yep. for me. Um, yep. 
and I didn't, I had a water bottle that had a filter on it so that I could fill it up in like streams mm. and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so I couldn't put the tail one in there because it would just filter it, <laughs> um, filter yep. it out. So um, yeah, I had like a separate bottle for my tailwind um, that was like water from my crew car. And then um, I would drink like a full one right when I got there. And then I would drink, then I would take one with me and like work on it throughout the next section. Um, and then I would have like a big meal um, at the aid stations, like uh, a lot of mashed potatoes and rice with uh, soy sauce and had a burrito at one point. I had a lot of like ramen. Um, and then, so I'd eat like some real food. And then uh, for like during, I really love spring energy. And in fact, that was my first time trying spring energy. Uh, um, I think I tried one little packet of it um, on the first section um, of collegiate loop and I got to my crew car um, and my my roommate Marley she was accruing me for that and I was like hey are you going back into town like would you mind picking up like 10 of these like I just I really like them I think they're gonna work well um, and she's like okay yeah and then that was like my favorite thing throughout the whole run is like those spring energies it just went down so well and I'm just like I never tried them because I'm not, I really don't like gels. Like I just, I can't do it. <laughs> um, yeah. And they're just too sweet for me. But the spring energy is like real food and it's like 210 calories per little packet. And um, it, it tastes like applesauce. It's like refreshing. It's not like sweet and sticky and like sticks to your mouth. Like I just can't stand that. Like this just went down so well and like sat a lot better. So it's like real food and a lot of good like fats um, and like very natural um, there's no sugar in it. It's just like maple syrup or something. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed those. Uh, that was like my favorite thing I ate. I think. <laughs> oh, and then I had pancakes at one point and those tasted really good to me. <laughs> nice. Oh. Nice. Sounds like you had a good crew out there if they're making up all that food for you. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like they were just so awesome. And to my friends who paced me, um, they surprised me in like the middle of the woods, like towards the end. And they had like a little aid station set up on a log and they had um yeah they had the pancakes there and like little burgers and pickles and um chocolate and uh it was just like the biggest surprise I was like oh my gosh and I was I really needed it there too because that section ended up being a lot longer than I thought it would be and I was kind of running out of food so I was kind of trying to like um yeah salvage everything I could and um yeah to have them meet me out there like that was just um a lifesaver <laughs> for sure yeah had you scouted this entire route before in bits and pieces or were you putting some of it together um at at your actual event um yeah I was I was putting some of it together at my actual event um I I drove to all of the different aid station spots with my roommate who was occurring for me and she um like we went to cottonwood pass and winfield and then um we i originally thought that we were going to have an aid station up at tin cup pass um and so we tried to drive mm-hmm. up that road and it was just terrible um <laughs> and so we were thinking oh we should park at this there's like this little lake below the pass it's like i could just park here and then hike up to you um and i was like oh that's kind of risky because like you don't really know when i'm going to be coming exactly and like um I was like I don't know and then we looked on a map in the Colorado Trail like you would have to go to the top of Tinka Pass and then look down a ways and I didn't know if she could 
get like hike all the way up there and then down and then get back to her car and like drive to next meet me at the next aid station in time uh so yeah we decided against that and then we were gonna see if we could get to because I just I had to have something in between Cottonwood and Monarch like it was otherwise it'd be like 50 miles (laughs) um with no with no aid um and it was all at night and I needed like switch pacers so it was like a very like key aid station I need to like figure something out um and so that was that was a really tricky spot uh Hancock um because my parents went and scouted it out ahead of time um but they it's just weird that's a weird spot because there's Hancock Pass there's Hancock Road and there's like a Hancock trailhead and they're all different um and so we thought the Hancock Pass was the right place and then I guess during the actual run they like hiked up there and then they saw that the Colorado Trail was like way far away from there and so then they um hiked down this other trail and then they parked there and then that's when my pacers like came up like looking for us and they ended up finding us um and we were like on course and everything so like we didn't lose any time there but we were also really late so they were like waiting there for four hours (laughs) and they didn't have service or anything and (laughs) I texted them for my Garmin and reach that we were going to be like late but they didn't get the text because they didn't have service they didn't want to like go down to get service because it was like an hour and they're like what if we miss her they just waited there (laughs) so that those are kind of the things that were that was like the one spot that was really like tough to orchestrate (laughs) in terms of pacers and like meeting and um but it all worked out uh and then um yeah everything else like went really smoothly though like after that it was smooth sailing so that was like the only tough spot to meet and organize but yep yep did you have pacers no the whole so time? I did the first 40 miles without a pacer and then um I got I had my first pacer from Cottonwood Pass to Hancock uh which is um pretty much all at night um and then that was like that really tough section um where I was falling asleep and and then the section from Hancock to Monarch Pass was like in the very early morning and then that's when I had my two friends who were like really pumping me up um and then the next section I did alone it was only 13 miles um and then I had a pacer at the next section my coach Alex um and uh yeah, he ran with me from uh, the Highway 50 trailhead to Chalk Creek, which is 20 miles. Um, and that's all on the east side of the loop. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I had another pacer after that. Um, my pacer, uh, my friend Piper, um, met me at Chalk Creek to Silver Creek. And then I was on my own for a bit. And then actually one of my friends... Uh, was out for a run and um he kind of thought that I would be in that area at the time around that time and so he met me and ran with me um part of the way to the like aid station which was like <laughs> I don't know if I would have finished if he hadn't <laughs> met me there um because it just ended up being a lot longer than I thought right. and then I would just towards the end I was just started to become like way more out of it than I thought so <laughs> yeah um so I was like really glad that he was with me because I started getting really disoriented and I was like I I don't think this is the right way and then I was like kind of starting to cry about it because I was just getting like flustered like what if this isn't right and like this is way longer than I thought and 
he's like no Amy like this is the right way and it was just like really nice to have someone there like kind of just like telling me we're going the right way and like calming me down because yeah I was kind of like a little bit of a scare there because I had scouted out that one part and it just wasn't looking familiar and just yeah (laughs) after not sleeping for two days just kind of relaxed (laughs) for sure for sure and you mentioned uh hallucinations a while back so I'm assuming that you're referring to Bryce Canyon. You must have had some hallucinations. And then did you have any out here at the community? Yeah. Um, yeah, in Bryce Canyon, uh, it wasn't, like, too bad during the night. But in the daytime, like, the next morning, um, I just – I kept seeing, like, uh, like these houses in the middle of the woods. And I was like, wow, I can't believe I didn't notice these, like, on the way out because it was, like, an out and back. And – um, and then I saw like uh-huh. a like a big tour bus on the side of this mountain, and I was like, "That is real!" Like I told my face, I was like, "I'm not like I'm not seeing like that is like legit thing like tour bus." <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you get closer, and it would just be you know some fallen trees or something. <laughs> um, yeah, right, but um, right. I think the weirdest thing I saw uh, on the collegiate loop was. Um, I didn't really see anything the first night, but the second night I saw, um, it was like a, it was just a like yellowish like tree. Like, I think it was like a little bush kind of growing out of the ground, but it looked like a, like a power ranger, but just like the top of the, like just the shoulders and up. Um, and it was like yellow and it was like glowing and it, yeah, it was looked like a, the head of the head of a power ranger i was like whoa <laughs> um <laughs> and then we got closer and i was like oh never mind never mind <laughs> um <laughs> and then though so i think like this was just the weirdest thing i saw but it was like the last really big climb and i was on my own at this point and it was like mile one like i was all of a sudden 150 and i'm going up and it just looked like i wasn't getting anywhere like on this climb and i just couldn't even see the top and i was like oh my gosh and i was deep in the woods and i I look up in the woods and i see all these cows and i was like oh my gosh where these cows come from like there are any farms around here and i was just like how did the person like let the farmer let their cows get all the way up on this mountain and i was just like I don't know if it's okay to cross like or like go on the trail by these all these cows like there's so many of them <laughs> and then I like saw the shepherd lady and she I remember she was like wearing like purple and she was just like staring at me I was like that's really weird like maybe she doesn't like that I'm like you know hiking her over here like I don't know and then I got closer and it was um just a bunch of like white like fallen trees and then they had like black like spots and like branches and so I got when I got really close I realized like oh it's just like trees and I don't know where the shepherd came from like where the, where the farmer person <laughs> But, um, yeah, it was pretty uh, weird. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that weird where your mind yeah. goes out there and, and just the hallucination? It's so weird. I've, I've had the same thing. And, uh, yeah, it's just so bizarre. It's like your mind is yeah. going crazy. I mean, do you think it was from lack of sleep? Or what do you think that's from? I don't know. I mean, I think you're just – you're so exhausted. And, um, yeah, you're just not, like, quite all there, I think, at that point um but yeah yeah, I don't know I think like also I was wearing um contacts the whole like the same pair of contacts the entire time okay I just didn't want to bother like take them out so I don't know maybe my eyes were just 
because they were just like really red and like kind of irritated towards the end so I don't know if like that was kind of contributing contributing to it um but yeah I think I think just at night too like just the weird lighting and like you know um it just kind of distorts things a little bit and like then your your imagination just kind of takes over and then you end up like seeing weird things <laughs> but you know you know you're not they're not real or anything like I, I did think the cows are real but I, I knew that Power Ranger thing wasn't real it's was like well that's like weird looking but I know it's not real you know <laughs> oh power rangers I love it <laughs> um, had you any experience staying up uh for 60 hours before or was this the first time you stayed up this is nights? the first time yeah <laughs> how did you handle it did you do you feel like you did yeah, okay I mean, I felt, um or was I felt it real totally awake the second night like the first night was really hard for me but I think then I might have just my body just kind of got in this mode like okay we're doing this thing and like it's okay <laughs> um but mm-hmm. I think at first my mm-hmm. body was like what are you doing and then it just kind of became almost like normalized or so. were you taking any caffeine supplements or anything like I that was yeah and I didn't have any caffeine for two weeks before this so I really wanted to like have it mm-hmm. work well nice <laughs> um so- Yep, drop your tolerance down low, and then it's like rocket fuel yeah, once you exactly. do take it. Um, yeah, so I had um, some coffee. Uh, I had some coffee um, the next the uh, morning, the next morning um, after the first day, and then um, I had some Tailwind that had caffeine in it, and then I had um, get them at Whole Foods. They're like these little like energy kind of shots. Um, I forgot what they're yeah it's just like a little like I think it's uh the same as like a couple cups of coffee or something but it just gives you like a little caffeine boost so I took like a shot of that and um yeah and then the coffee and then tailwind with caffeine in it so I think that that probably helped a lot too yeah for sure I'm curious um who are some of the people you look up to um in in running or in life in general who are who are some people that you really look up to that inspire you? <laughs> it's actually really funny because um Courtney DeWalter is like one of my biggest inspirations of all time and she was out there on yes. the course like when I was doing this run she was um supporting um his, his name is Paul um and he was going for the men's FKT um and she he supported okay. her for her Colorado Trail FKT attempt and so she was out there um yeah supporting him and like crewing and pacing for him um and actually they passed when I took the wrong turn so <laughs> I never got to see them but um <laughs> but uh yeah she you know said good luck and then she messaged me after and asked me you know um like how I'm feeling and like just told me good job and it just like meant so much to me because I just I just think she is such a cool, cool person like I love her I don't know she just has a um yep. she's like very chill and um she's a very like real person and mm-hmm. I like appreciate that yeah. and then um yeah it's just cool it's, it's inspiring to see another woman who runs that far and like she's right there with the men and I just think that is like just so awesome um yeah, so not only is she, like, really yeah. incredible at what she does, but she's just, like, a really down-to-earth person and, like, very kind and um, real. So, yeah, I look up to her a lot. 
Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's very mm-hmm. personable, very laid back. Um, you know, she's easy to talk to. Um, yeah. She's just one of those people. She doesn't, you know, even though she's a superstar, she doesn't really yeah. like it or act like it. She seems just like a normal person. So yeah, yeah I get it. I think that's the way to be for sure. <laughs> like, cool. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so now that you've done a little bit of racing and a little bit of these like, self-curated events, you have one that you prefer over the other? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of races that I want to do, but um, yeah, I, I'm intrigued by this style. Like I um, like this. It was cool to go for. I, I like that, um, you know, I didn't have to. Or I guess it was just a different, a different feel than a race. Like it just felt more like my own experience and, um, yeah, just a different mindset, I guess. Um, but, um, I don't know. They're, they're both so inspiring. Like I, I really love, uh, there's so many like cool races that I want to do. So, um, yeah, I think you, you said you were signed up for Leadville. Yeah. This year. Yeah. I was signed up for Leadville 100. Um, yeah. Any other races? Uh, I was signed up for a couple this spring, a couple of 50 milers. I was going to do Behind the Rocks 50 miler in um, Moab. And then I was going to do the San Juan Solstice 50 miler. Um, mm, yep. Yeah. So I didn't end up doing those. And then Leadville's kind of only hope. And then that got canceled. Um, and then Bryce is actually kind of funny because um my friend actually one of my friends who paced me for this collegiate loop uh he had been signed up for Bryce and he messaged me I was like hey Annie I don't know if you're interested in you know doing this race but there's some people who are like wanting to transfer their bibs um because I guess that was the only way for them to get like a full refund is if they sold their bib to someone else um yeah and so I found a lady who wanted to sell her bib and I got into the race and I'm just like so grateful that I had that experience because there's no way I would have attempted this if I hadn't done a hundred miler before like there's just no way so um yeah I'm I'm so glad I had that opportunity and um yeah it gave me the confidence to to try this so for sure isn't that cool how the puzzle pieces just fall into place and it just like I guess it must have meant it was meant to be, you know, if you wouldn't have done Bryce, uh-huh. then you wouldn't have done this. And uh, I mean, what a year. Yeah. And if I'd done Leadville, I wouldn't have done this. So. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. And it was cool. definitely like one of the coolest experiences of my life. So I'm really glad it worked out. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And so is Leadville still on the list for it next is. year? Yeah, definitely. I think just like living here and being kind of immersed in the Leadville uh, life um yeah mm-hmm. I definitely want to it's um yeah I feel like I'm I feel like really passionate about that race just since I live here and it's special to me so yeah yeah no me too it's it's my favorite it's my favorite race really? it's my favorite 100 I know a lot of people yes I love it I know a lot of people kind of give it a hard time because there's the big road section both directions uh-huh. and um it's such a big race. There's so many people there, but I have a Leadville will always have a special place in my heart. It's one of my favorite races. I've done it a couple of times 
And uh, I mean, I just love it. Like the night before the race, when you're in the gym and everyone's chanting, I commit, I will not quit. Like just thinking about it gives me goosebumps. <laughs> like it's it's such special memories. Oh, for that me. is so, so awesome. Um, well, yeah, I'm excited to hear how it goes for you next year. It's it's one of my faves oh, for sure. That is so good to hear. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm excited. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, what would you tell? Uh, other like aspiring female ultra runners that may feel like they have something big like this inside of them, but don't exactly know where to start or don't know how to express it. Yeah. I think, um, just be really staying in tune with your body and listening to those messages that it's sending you is just super important because it's, um, like you almost have to, I don't know. I just, I really try to listen to my body and like, if I feel like I'm doing too much or, um, if I feel like fatigued, I'm not afraid to like take a day off or like, or like back off a bit. Um, so I think just like really being in tune with your body when you're like upping the mileage like that, um, is super important. And then also just, um, you know, making the training inspiring and fun, like, uh, go explore in the mountains, like find a race that, um, is like really exciting, inspiring to you that it's going to, um, yeah, make you excited to train. Um, I think just like keeping that enthusiasm and um, excitement in your training is, is super important because it is pretty mundane and like, you know, <laughs> going on running for that long every day um, can be, you know, challenging. So if you have like a good goal or like um, a good reason to be doing it, um, good motive to be doing it is important um, and just keeping it fun. Yeah, just keeping it really fun. <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah so I mean I'm just like you're 22 years old and I'm sure there's hopefully you know going to be some young lady that's listening to this that's like 20 or 21 and she's just wondering if if you know she she's able to put something like this together like like how would you encourage her if if you know a young woman or a young man is, is like in question like I know I want to do something big in my life. I don't know if now's the time. Maybe I should wait till I'm 30. Like, would you tell them just to get out there and go for it now? Oh, yeah, I would for sure. I mean, because um, I always kind of thought that I would go through the traditional, like, oh, I'll, you know, run in high school, then I'll run in college, then I'll run half marathons and marathons, and then I might, like, move up to ultras, because that just seemed like something that, you know, you do when you're a lot older. Um and then, mm-hmm. but I always knew like, that's what I really wanted to do. And I was just like, well, I don't see why I'm like waiting. Like <laughs> I can do this. I can do this right now. You know? Um, and uh, I've actually never run a marathon. I've only run ultras. Um, but yeah, I think, um, just knowing your body and not, uh, just kind of knowing where you're at, like, if you've been running your whole life, like, I think you can move up pretty quickly. Um, I think if you've, you know, started running a little bit later in life, like it just, it kind of takes a lot to build that stress up on your body. Um, cause it is really hard in your body, but I think it's totally possible for, you know, a younger, um, person because, um, if anything, you, it's a lot easier on you cause you can recover so much better, um, so much faster and yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with starting to run ultras at a younger age. I think it's almost um, better that way. And then if you start now, like maybe when you're older, 
you know, like your body just like knows and is, is used to it because you've been doing it for so many years. So, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say just like That's know true. your body and like, mm-hmm. don't, don't move up too fast. Um, just like, I, I kind of like, you know, starting with like the 55 K and then like try 50 miler. And then if that feels good, like try a hundred K and then like, just keep going, like see how far you can go. It's like pretty exciting and, and fun to move up like that. Yeah, yes, it is. So speaking of moving up, like what's next for you? Are you going to keep on pushing the distance or are you going to lean towards races or I know we're kind of approaching the end of the year, but what's in your future? Do you have plans? (laughs) Um, Not for the rest of this year. I I think I'm going to kind of um, take a little break from running like a a week or two. And then um, in the winter, it's really difficult to train in Leadville. Uh, And so I think I'm going to focus more on cross country skiing and aqua jogging, um, do a lot of strength work and just build it, like just becoming like really strong and like filling my body up for like all the stress I'm going to put on it in the like spring and summer. Um, and then I'll definitely like do some running, of course, um, some longer runs and everything this winter, but, um, kind of do more cross training. Cause I don't really do a lot of that during the summer. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think that's, that's what it looks like for me the next year. And then, um, yeah, level 100 and, um, I don't know, I'm thinking about maybe I would love to like give Nolan's a try or something like that next year as well. Um, so I might spend the summer like scouting that out and planning that out and then doing level 100 and then maybe in the fall doing Nolan's. Um, but yeah, we'll see. And then the year after that, I would literally love to try 200. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I like it. So, so you're still looking at bigger and badder things. I think that's, that's pretty awesome. It's pretty inspiring. I dig uh, it. Thank you. I highly recommend, I highly recommend going out and, and checking out the Nolan's course and obviously do a bunch of scouting mm-hmm. first, but it's right in your backyard. It's I know right there. exactly. Yeah, it's like silly if I don't do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's so cool. That's so cool. Well, Annie, it's been awesome talking with you. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's just been an inspiring conversation. Do you have any shout outs outs or anything you'd like to give to anybody, people that helped you out um, throughout your adventure or or anything? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, So one of my friends, my uh, roommate, Marley, um, she was a huge help with Creamy because she had her car. And then um, my parents, of course, like had had their car so like just to have two crew members um was really nice so that I didn't put like too much on either one of them um so like I couldn't have definitely couldn't have done that without um her and my like parents help and then um yeah all my pacers like my my friends James and Abe who like really encouraged me to keep going and like really pumped for me um in that one section when I wanted to quit. Um, and then uh, Marley's friend, Dom, who just kind of last minute jumped in because I needed another pacer. And um, he jumped in and ran with me and I didn't know him super well. And it was like the roughest section too, of like the whole course um, when I was sleeping a lot. So um, yeah, he was just so awesome and putting up with me there. And then um, my coach, uh, Alex Willis has just like been I like couldn't have done this without him because he just helped me so much with the planning process which was just so involved like way more involved than I ever 
anticipated. Um, so yeah, it, it wouldn't have gone as smoothly without his help for sure. And then he helped pace me. Um, and then, uh, my friend, uh, Piper, who was on the team with me at Adam state, she paced me for, um, a couple sections, like the one from Chalk Creek to Silver Creek, and then the very last, um, section, seven miles. And, uh, yeah, she was just an incredible help as well. Um, yeah. And then my friend, another, my friend, James, uh, who showed up, uh, as a surprise pacer, <laughs> helps so much. So, yeah, I had so many nice. awesome people like helping me along the way, which was like incredible. So, I owe it all to them. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes a village, right? It's hard yeah. to do this stuff by yourself. It does. Like, yeah, I ran this far, but with a little help from my friends <laughs> and family. <Sure. laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah. And, you know, like I, like I always say, you're probably going to remember you know, your friends pacing you forever. Like I look back yeah. on some of my races and having my friends come out and fly across the country to come and help me achieve my goals. Like it, it meant so much at the time. And now years later, it, it still means so much. So you'll, you'll probably always remember it. So oh, I yeah, we can't do stuff without friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you literally, you can't do without them. It's just, yeah, they're so, they're so important. So cool. Yeah. So cool. Well, Annie, it's been awesome talking with you. I really appreciate it. Oh, um, you too. Yeah, it's an inspiring story. I can't wait to see what's uh, what's next for you. I'm going to keep following you, and uh, hopefully we can chat after your next big adventure too. Hopefully it'll be Nolan's or, or something <laughs> crazy, but uh, I'm looking forward to the future. So oh, thank you just so keep much. doing what you're doing. Yes, absolutely. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep inspiring people. Keep doing big things. Oh, thank you. I will. I'll definitely keep listening to your podcast too. I love podcasts. So oh, I'm excited so to find cool. a new one to listen to. Good. Well, I'm excited to talk to another Wisconsinite in Colorado. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so cool. So cool. All right. Well, thanks again, Annie. Have a great day and I appreciate you and I'm going to keep an eye on you and we're expecting big things out of you. Uh, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Okay. Talk soon. Okay. Sounds good. Bye. How cool is she? If you want to find Annie, her Instagram handle is fittingly outdoorable underscore Annie. I can't wait to see where her journey takes her. I think she's got a really bright future. That's it for now. If you guys need anything to help you do big things, give me a shout at big-things-crewing.com. If you need a crew or pacers for your ultra or supported adventure, we can help. Or if you need a coach, training plan, vitamins, or supplements, I've got you. Big Things Crewing is here for you, and we want to help. Life is short. Do big things, baby.